Hey everybody, welcome to episode 273 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you back in Austin, Texas after a weekend away celebrating the Boston Marathon. It was great to have the marathon back on Patriots Day on Marathon Monday in its rightful time of year in April, and the vibes were as good as ever. I really, really enjoyed being a spectator this time. It's amazing to run it. I know that's true, but spectating is at least as good and perhaps an even better experience as I got to be a coach and spectator and supporter on the course, and it was awesome. It was awesome, and I'm still tired from it, but recovering this week and excited to be back chatting with you. Today, we're going to go back to my series talking about the emotions of running, the feelings of running, and this time we're going to talk about two we're going to talk about apathy and those times when you just don't want to do it. And we're going to talk about passion. We're going to talk about those times when it's coming out of you easily, when it flows effusively from your soul and how to channel that to be your best self. So we'll get to all of that in just a second. One thing I wanted to note before we start was I just wanted to talk a little bit about Boston. Obviously, the races were amazing. The elite races were amazing, particularly that women's race. It was great to see that back and forth at the end that was high drama with the finish being so close there on Boylston. All that was good. It was awesome to see Scott Fobble come back and do well as top American on the men's side, running a PR to finish seventh in that race in a singlet, a Lululemon singlet that he purchased himself as an unsponsored athlete. It was awesome to see Nell Rojas finish again as top American with her very, very incredible PR run as well. She's also now unsponsored as she left her contract with Adidas because the shoes weren't working for her. So two unsponsored Americans at the top of both of those races. Really cool to see. Amazing results within the athletes I coach as well. It was great to see everybody leave it all out on the course. And I said afterwards, it's not necessarily what you run at Boston that matters. It's how you run at Boston. And if you're contributing that ethos of giving everything you have to work towards whatever your goal might be on the day. And I saw that happen in spades with the people I coach, which is inspiring and makes me proud as a coach. All those things were awesome among those qualified athletes. But I did want to also just briefly reflect on the power of Boston outside of that realm within the wheelchair athletes. Jenna Fezemeyer, who I interviewed for the Clean Sport Collective, she ran a PR for her, course PR for her to finish fifth. We had amazing results from the Paralympic athletes running on prosthetics. We also had amazing results and, and inspiring results throughout the field, including from one Devin Powell. If you haven't heard her story, I would highly recommend you Google Bonnie Ford and Devin Powell, P-A-O, and read up about her story getting to this Boston as her first marathon after being a student volunteer who was pushing wheelchairs the morning of the bombing in 2013 to help save lives on that day. So, so many amazing stories, and it makes me reflect on what I already knew and embraced about Boston, which is the fact that it is about so much more than just qualifying to be there. 
It is about so much more than that. And I know many people get frustrated when they see the quantity of people in the field that haven't qualified, those charity runners, those runners that might be there for other reasons. And I want to encourage you to open your mind on that because there's so much power in the storytelling and the opportunity to give back that those runners bring to the table and that should be celebrated as a part of the day, just like we celebrate the fact that you can get there by running a certain time. And that's part of what makes Boston the inspiring race that it is. It's not just those that are contributing by being there for running fast. It is those that are contributing by being there for so many other reasons. And that's what Boston has always been about, even well before the qualifying standards were introduced in the 70s. And it's what it continues to be about. And I'm happy that it's still about doing more than just running a certain time. And that's inspiring to me. I think it's inspiring to everybody. And I would just encourage you to dig into those stories too, because there is inspiration to be found front to back at the Boston Marathon, at the Boston Marathon to be sure. So that's my little preamble to this discussion. But what I want to talk about today gets back to the storytelling I began in December with some episodes talking about running and the feelings you have while running and how those are common among us all. We're connected by those feelings that running gives us. And I was inspired this week to share this episode on the passion of running because of the passion that I saw from people at Boston, which was so powerful and so palpable. And I also want to talk about the apathy of running, those moments and times when it's hard to do what you want to do or know in your heart you need to do for whatever reason that might be. And I've talked to some runners recently through that who have been struggling with apathy, with not being excited about their running or their training for whatever reason. And so I'm going to talk about both just like I have in other episodes. We're going to start by talking about apathy and the ways that can manifest. Then we'll talk about passion and the ways that can manifest. And then we'll talk about what to do about it. How do you dig out of a hole if apathy is your challenge? And also, how do you channel that passion when it's there and it comes and it's fresh? So we'll start with the apathy side of the equation and just I'll give you five examples of how that can manifest in your training that you may be relate that you may be able to relate to, but also want you to think about those examples in your own experience as well. At the most at the most basic level, apathy can manifest on those days when you just don't want to get out to do your run. Doesn't have to be bigger than that. Just that simple act of thinking, man, I've got X miles on the schedule today and I don't want to do it for whatever reason. Maybe you're not feeling great. Maybe you haven't gotten enough sleep. Maybe it's crappy outside. The weather's not good. Maybe your friend who was going to go with you bailed on you and now you got to go do it by yourself when you're used to having company. But there's a long list of reasons that would cause us to not want to get out the door. But it happens all the time. It happens all the time to me as well, even though I'm someone who loves to run and I treat running in many ways like eating and sleeping and breathing. But there are those days and it might happen once a week, once every other week 
where I just don't want to get out the door for whatever reason. And it's, it sucks because you get stuck in that tension between, I know I need to do this, but I'm just not feeling motivated for whatever reason. And so you get stuck. Sometimes you get out and do it anyway. And sometimes you let the day go, which can then breed an opportunity for you to beat yourself up a little bit. And sometimes I see apathy like that build on itself where if you miss one day, it might lead to two because suddenly you're beating yourself up about missing rather than just moving past it and getting on with the next run that is on your schedule. So that's probably the most basic form. Sometimes it's easy to overcome. Sometimes it's really hard to overcome. But I think we can all relate to the fact that there are some days where you just don't want to do it for whatever reason. So there's that sort of apathy As we get to talk about bigger forms, another form of apathy that I think is more existential in nature is this idea of being apathetic toward a goal or perhaps you're apathetic toward not having a goal because you don't have that next thing to chase. I I often see this manifest when someone achieves a big goal that they've been striving for for a long time and then they struggle afterwards oftentimes because they don't have that next natural goal on the horizon so they get stuck in this apathy of not really knowing what they're trying to achieve and why they're trying to achieve it and it can really linger unless you dig yourself out of that hole and so there's that apathy towards goal setting where you're just not sure what's next or why you want it could also be a situation where perhaps you have a stated goal but it is the wrong one it's not the one that's actually getting you excited for whatever reason you've chosen it but you don't have a real connection to that goal you don't really understand your why towards that goal and so you're struggling to chase it you're struggling to do the work needed to take steps toward it because it's actually not the right goal for you or maybe it's simply that You haven't connected well enough to the why behind that goal. So that's another form of apathy that can manifest in our running. Another form of apathy, which honestly I've felt very recently, is the apathy of wanting to quit in a race. Running to walk off for whatever reason. Again, for whatever reason, this hasn't happened to me very often, but it happened to me recently in my goal 10K for this season where I just didn't have a good race. My legs were flat. My heart rate was elevated from mile one. By mile two, I was already off my plan, not feeling good at all and powerless against it. My body just wasn't responding. And so honestly, in my head, I'm thinking, why am I even doing this? I would rather just walk off the course and quit instead of fighting through and battling for what would be ultimately a time that was a couple minutes slower than what I wanted or what I thought I was fit for on the day. And so I was struggling to fight that apathy in me at mile two of that race that was telling me to step off the course to quit because in my head at one level I was thinking this doesn't matter anymore. There's no way I'm going to get my goal feeling this way. So why even finish? So I fought that, fortunately, and we'll talk about how do you fight this, this 
this type of feeling as we wrap this section. But for now, I just want to name and dwell on that feeling that I think we've all had where we think, man, why am I doing this in the moment? Why am I even trying to finish this if things are already off the rails? If if all is going wrong, why not just quit? Now, that type of apathy might also manifest in a workout as well, perhaps, if everything's off the rails, but I think it's more palpable and real in the context of a race. And I can tell you that I've only DNF'd one race in my life, a marathon, back in 2005 in Twin Cities, where my body just didn't have it on the day. I won't get into that full story. But even though I've only quit once in a race, I've definitely wanted to quit more than that. And I think we've all had those moments where we're just not feeling it for whatever reason. And apathy is pulling or tugging on us to step off the course. Another form of apathy is pure burnout. That's when you have intellectually and logically a connection to your goals, but for whatever reason, Both physically and mentally, you can't take the steps needed to go get them. And I think sometimes there's a bigger physical than mental, and sometimes it's bigger mental than physical, but there's different combinations of those physical and mental factors that have pushed you over the edge. So in spite of intellectually knowing and believing you want something, you're not able to actually demonstrate it. I was in that place in late 2020 with this job. And I've talked about that in prior episodes. And I required a two month sabbatical and take to take a break from everything that I do within the context of Rogue, the podcast, the business, the coaching. I took two month break from all of it so I could reset and recharge amidst some burnout that I was facing that was both physical and mental in nature. That reset ultimately helped me find my way again. But but that was classic burnout. And there was this tension of intellectually knowing what I wanted and that I was still eager to, to do what I do and be inspired by it. But that tension was overwhelmed by this apathy that was preventing me from doing it. Big part of that was mental, but there was a physical component as well. So there's burnout. And then another example is that situation where You have apathy towards others. You have apathy towards others, perhaps training partners, people in the community, or maybe people you don't know, but that you follow or see. And this often, I think, manifests when you get in a place of comparison and you let your envy over what others are doing relative to what you're doing overwhelm you in a way that's demotivating. That causes apathy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And when we get into that place where we're comparing ourselves to others and perhaps the trajectory of others relative to our own, maybe certain results relative to our own, even if unintentionally or subconsciously making those comparisons to our own journey and thinking, well, I should be doing that, or I wish I was doing that, or I should have done that by now myself, if we get into that place of making comparisons, then sometimes that can cause demotivation, that can cause apathy in our own running where we think, 
why am I even trying? If I'm not seeing the same success that that person's seeing, why am I even doing this? Why am I even trying? And I think we'd all like to say we're immune to that type of comparison because I don't think anyone intentionally goes out and expresses envy towards someone else. I don't think that's something we typically seek out, but it happens. And sometimes it's just a very human reaction, even if it's somebody you know and love that's able to have success and for whatever reason you're not. It's hard not to sometimes compare and get stuck in that comparison, which again, can push us towards apathy, towards saying, why am I even doing this myself if I'm not getting the same results? So those are five examples of apathy that can happen in your training and sport in races. And so let's talk about what to do about that. What are some antidotes for apathy? First, as I've said on many of these episodes, the first thing that we got to do, and I won't belabor this too much since I've talked about it before, is you have to name and acknowledge what you're feeling. You have to name and acknowledge what you're feeling. It's very, very important to feel the feels, so to speak, and to call out what you're feeling so that you can then address it. I think it's hard to move past a feeling like this if you haven't called it what it is. If that's apathy, if that's burnout, if that's envy leading to apathy, whatever it is, just acknowledge the feelings you're having. Note them, write them down even. That's number one, and I think that's something that really spans any of these feelings that we're going to have. But what's next? What are the practical ways to work through apathy? And I'll give you five things. I'll give you five things to think about when you get to that place, whether it's fleeting or whether it's entrenched and something you're really struggling with over many days or many weeks. The first is very straightforward, and you will not be surprised at this from me. The first is to remember your why. Go back to first principles. Reflect on why you're doing this. Reflect on why you're doing this. If it's related to a particular goal, you should have had that thought process previously, which is, why do I want this goal? You should be able to answer that question from the beginning. And if you have answered that question, go back to that reason. Go back to that why. Reconnect with it. And then do things that will help you reconnect with it. It's easier said than done, but it's powerful. And if you haven't, for whatever reason, gone through that process to think about why you want something, then now is the time to do it amidst your apathy in order to either dig yourself out by discovering that why and finding motivation from it, or perhaps learning that your why isn't good enough or you can't figure out why you want that goal, in which case then we got to change the goal and we got to reconnect to a why that matters. That's a a little bit of a different path, but either way, I want you to connect to your why. Make sure that why is real and palpable for for you. Make sure it's something that connects with you, that resonates, that lights your fire and soul, and go back to that place. Remember your why. Remember that as being the most important element, because if you do that, then oftentimes it lights a spark in you that helps you get through a period of apathy. So remember your why or reconnect to your why. That's number one. 
And I said, I should say before I give number two, that this is a menu more than it is a list of things that you should always do. So you're not necessarily doing all five of these things, but number two is mix it up, mix it up and mixing it up could look like a few different things. Mixing it up could look like taking a break. Like I did when I took my sabbatical, if you're deep in burnout, then oftentimes you might just need a break where you walk away completely for a moment. Beyond that, mixing it up could be switching gears to try something new and different, something that piques your curiosity for those that might get stuck in marathon cycle or half marathon cycle and going from one cycle to the next. Sometimes that means mixing it up in your cycles to do something different, like perhaps training for a trail race instead of a road race if you're primarily a road runner. Like, for example, training for a triathlon, if that's been something you've dreamed about and thought about for a period of time to give you something different to do and and be inspired by. That could mean even in the context of a similar goal, just mixing it up in terms of the routes that you're doing, the people you're running with, perhaps the workouts that you're doing. Give yourself some variety based on what your curiosity would like to see. And then follow that curiosity without giving yourself too many constraints or parameters for following that curiosity. It's one thing that I've done both in running, letting myself follow my curiosity. I remember within the context of the pandemic, very early in the pandemic, when I lost my goal race, I remember choosing variety by seeking out different routes. And I was experimenting, running all over Austin, chasing some of the bigger hills in town just for fun, just to mix it up, put fun in air quotes there. But that helped me work through the early doldrums of the pandemic. I've also been in a place in my running where I was a little bit burned out from road racing and switched it over and did some running on the trails and did some trail ultras in order to add some spice When I was in burnout, when I was taking that two-month sabbatical, from a curiosity standpoint, I just followed the intellectual topics and the books that were interesting to me, rather than have some really rigorous and specific plan of getting through burnout. It was rather just simply, hey, what's interesting to me? What piques my curiosity? Go that way. And then after exploring that area, continue to chase that curiosity in a couple Cases that meant getting down some pretty deep rabbit holes on topics. In other cases, it meant getting a little bit of exposure to something and then moving on to the next thing that brought curiosity. But either way, in your training, mix it up, try something new, give yourself some variety based on your curiosity to help spark you to get you out of that apathy. So that's Number two, mix it up, take a break if needed, try something new, follow your curiosity through variety. Another one, number three to consider here is potentially to reevaluate your goal. Reevaluate your goal. Sometimes our goals aren't inspiring and we need them to be. I had a conversation recently with an athlete who had recently achieved a big goal and was struggling to get back the same level of activity that they had in getting that goal. And I think a big part of why is that the goal that they had set, the next goal that they had set, wasn't actually big enough. 
the first goal was big. It was a goal that was a multi-year journey, that it was something that was going to take some time investment that created doubt in their mind about whether or not they could achieve it. But the goal that was set subsequent to that after the big goal was achieved was not that. It was lesser in nature. It wasn't a goal that scared them, that piqued their curiosity and interest, that gave them a little bit of fear while also inspiring belief that that they could do something big. So the conversation I was having there was, you need a bigger goal. We need to push you to do something that is bigger, something that's going to inspire you, that's going to inspire the same action that you had prior to getting that previous goal. So sometimes the antidote for getting out of apathy is reevaluating your goal, setting a bigger goal, perhaps. Obviously, you don't want to set something that's completely unrealistic, but it should be that right balance of, I think I can do this and I have no idea if I can do this. It's somewhere in that middle place that inspires action, that gets you going, that may, that that gives you that feeling like you know you have to do all the work in order to get there, that you're going to have to put in every bit of work that you can think of in order to get there. And if you do that, you have belief that it's possible. So it's that fine line between the possible and impossible that we're trying to thread when we're goal setting. But if you get too far on the spectrum towards the possible, then it can be uninspiring. It can make you apathetic. It can make you think, well, I don't need to do all of the work because I don't need to do all of the work to get the goal. And then that can spiral into apathy and perhaps inactivity relative towards taking your big steps towards potential. So number three in this conversation is set a bigger goal. Okay, now number four, this one's really simple. Maybe it's obvious to you, but it's simply the idea that you have to just get started. Take the smallest step that you're willing to take towards action. Brad Stolberg, who's a great follow on Twitter. He's a performance coach, has books about this. He talks about the idea that motivation often follows action. We, we think about it the other way around, typically, that there needs to be motivation before action, but that's not actually how it works in the real world most often. Most often, motivation follows action. So take that simple bite-sized step towards your goal, towards the action and process that you need to follow. And that will then inspire motivation. It's the classic, if you're in that place of not wanting to get your run in, just tell yourself, I'm going to just go out and do one mile. Just get started. I'm just going to do one mile because one mile typically flows into two miles, which will flow into three, which might flow into that five or six mile run you had planned on on the day without even thinking about it. So just take the simple steps. Sometimes as a coach, I talk about the importance of having at times the big view and looking ahead and thinking, what's the long-term plan? What's the long-term vision? And sometimes I talk about putting the blinders on and looking right in front of you and just focusing on that next simple step. So in the case 
where you have apathy or lack of motivation, just put the blinders on. Ask yourself, what's the next most basic, most simple step I need to take to begin marching towards my goal? Do that in its smallest bite-sized chunk. It's one mile of a six-mile easy run. Then start with the one mile because just a little bit of action will inspire more action and eventually the motivation will flow too. Motivation often follows action, not the other way around. So just get started. That's number four. Number five, surround yourself with your team and with all of the people that will support you along the way. You have to sometimes retreat to the support network. We like to think of running as a solo sport, but it is only a solo sport if you let it be. And as you know, I highly encourage you to find a community that you can run with. I highly encourage you to find a coach that you can use if you don't have one. And when you're having these challenges with motivation, sometimes the temptation is to retreat within thinking there's something wrong with me. There's nothing I should put on others to help me solve this. But the opposite is true. You need to seek out others. You need to communicate with them about what you're feeling. Let them show you love, inspire you, give you the words that you need to hear based on how they know you in order to get you going again. And that can come from your teammates, your running partners, that can come from your coach, that could come from perhaps a family member, a partner, a significant other who knows you and knows you why you do what you do and who is there to be supportive of it. They might have the right words for you. So seek that out. And in the case of wanting to walk off a course like I did at mile two, of this recent 10k i was thinking about the broader road community the people i coach the fact that i tell them to give everything no matter how you're feeling to finish with all you have regardless of how the day is going i was reminded that i tell them that and that in order to inspire them i have to do the same myself and so i finished that darn race and i'm actually very proud of my spits splits in context because i didn't want to do it and it was hurting hard all the way. But thinking about my team, thinking about my community, got me through it. So tap into your team in these moments of apathy. They will be there for you. They will get you going. So there you go. In summary, how do you fight apathy? Well, you acknowledge it. You remember your why. You mix it up. You take a break if needed. You set a bigger goal. You start with small action, which will drive motivation, and you surround yourself with your team. Those, to me, are the antidotes for apathy. And I promise you, at one time or another, regardless of how motivated you might be right now, you will need one of those things. So think back to this podcast. Okay, let's talk about the flip side of apathy. Let's celebrate those moments when the passion just oozes from us. Because I'd like to think that most of us are serious enough about running to listen to a podcast about it like this. You probably have a lot of those moments. And I'm not sure that perhaps you give yourself enough credit 
or acknowledge those moments enough because I would bet they outweigh the moments of apathy. And yet I would imagine most of us typically can think more about the moments of apathy if we think back and try to remember than we can think about the moments of passion. So let's start by giving some examples of how this manifests for each of us. And then I want to talk about how do we channel that passion in a way that continues to give even after maybe those warm and fuzzies fade. So what are those examples of passion and how it flows out of us as runners? One is just that passion to go do training. The passion of training where you wake up and you're excited to get out the door, can't wait to get those shoes on. Maybe it's because you have a beautiful spring day outside your window You've had a tough day at work, perhaps the stress is overwhelming from other parts of your life and you just know that there will be peace on the run. And so you are excited to get out there. You have a passion to just go do the work because you know it'll make you feel better on the day and because you also know that it's going to lead you to one step closer to your goal. And even if that feeling isn't there right when you start, Once you get going, once you get in rhythm, once you hit that runner's high, then you may feel it mid-run or later in the run where you just have that aura and glow about you where you just love to be out there moving through space on a beautiful day. And you get back and you've got that kind of goofy half grin on your face because you loved every minute of it ultimately even though there was some sweat and heavy breathing and higher heart rates involved You have that half grin that perhaps only runners can understand. There is that passion of training. Another example of passion is the passion of racing. That that fire that you feel as you approach a goal race, knowing that you have the opportunity to prove and test yourself towards a certain time, perhaps, or towards, towards a certain finishing metric. You're trying to test and determine your limits and so there's a passion for racing for getting out there and suffering because you know when you suffer that you're going to learn and find the best of yourself and that can be pretty pretty cool certainly there are other feelings that might go with that fear being one of them i talked about fear on a previous episode of this but the passion for racing is palpable I often think about this in the context of people signing up for races six months to a year out. I think about Chicago now, which I think opens their registration window like almost a year in advance, like 10 months in advance for the Chicago lottery. And so people will have just finished Chicago and then they'll turn around and register again for the next one, or perhaps they just did another marathon or haven't even done one in the fall yet, and yet they're already thinking about getting into Chicago the following year, or perhaps New York, which is typically about seven months in advance of the race. I think about people signing up well in advance of a race so that they can book their spot, so they can reserve their spot to go suffer on race day and to prove and test themselves. It's crazy at one level, but it's awesome at another level where people are just so excited about an opportunity to go do something that they're willing to think about it 
almost a year in advance and perhaps also rely on the luck of the draw to get into that opportunity. So that passion of racing. I also think about the passion of finishing, the passion of racing and then getting it done, getting to that finish line with your goal in hand after you've had a chance to catch your breath, after you've had a chance for the pain to subside and you're just simply left with that feeling of a job well done where you got your goal, where you got it done, or even when you didn't get your goal, but you're proud of the effort of putting everything out there and you just are oozing that passion for that opportunity to test yourself all the way to the line. And in many cases, you might be thinking right away about wanting to do it again or to sign up for the next one, but you just can't help yourself with that post-finish line glow. Now, certainly it may look different, If you didn't get your goal or if you're struggling or had disappointment, talked about that before as well. But many times that passion of finishing with a goal in hand just oozes out of you and feels amazing. Another passion that I got to experience this past week in Boston is that passion of spectating, of being a runner on the sideline who gets to watch other runners do their thing gets to watch and support whether you're doing that in person or via the data lines there's so much energy that can go into that and I just remember being on the sidelines there I was standing near Beacon and Commonwealth about a mile from the finish line and just oozing passion about being a part of Marathon Monday in that way excited for the runners on course excited to experience the energy and the passions of those around me and the crowd and just be enveloped by that. It was a cool, cool experience. And if you've never had the opportunity to cheer at Boston, I would encourage you to take that opportunity at some point. I know a lot of us want the opportunity to run, but, but I would also encourage you and have you think about that opportunity to spectate because it can be as powerful. But we've all also been that person sitting behind our computer screen watching our friend, teammate, family member, runner that we know, trying to get their goal, looking at every split, evaluating whether they're on track or not, and just being so excited to either see them doing it or perhaps excited to see the next split come through. In Boston, I was tracking a lot of my runners on the app, so I had my phone with me while I was also cheering on the sideline and there was a section a second where the app was glitching and I wasn't getting updates on the runners that should have been passing the finish line to get their final times and it took maybe 10 or 15 minutes of delay for them to finally start to come through but I was just waiting in anticipation what did they do how did they finish how was their race ultimately and this this excitement and this passion at some level nerves for them were all kind of mixed together until those notifications started to come from the app that the finish times were posted. And then I got to, at least in my own head, celebrate with them. So there's that passion of being a spectator. All of these passions we also typically as runners like to share with others. So there's the manifestation of the passion, which is when you can't stop talking about it, perhaps with people that may or may not care. You know, there's the famous 
adage about how do you know someone's a marathoner? Well, you don't have to ask because they'll tell you <laughs> is the joke as the joke goes, because we like to talk about it. If we're marathoners, but there's that passion when we get into running often or when we get into a place where we're chasing big goals that we just like to tell others. And so the passion for the sport just starts to ooze from us. There's also the passion of being a support person. I talked on the apathy, apathy side about seeking out your team, your coach, your family members, your friends, those that are going to help you get through that apathy. But the flip side of that is you can be that person for someone by helping share your passion with them by being a passionate supporter, by being as invested in their goals as, you, as they are in them. As a coach, it's a role, part of my role that I take very seriously. I tell people that once they tell me what their goal is, then I'm going to want it as bad, as bad for them as they want it for themselves. And you can be that person, whether you're a coach or not, for your teammate, for your friend, for that runner that you train with, because it's exciting to be a part of someone else's journey. Sometimes it's easier to get excited about their journey or someone else's journey than it is your own. So there's that passion of being a support person, somebody who can give the encouraging word when somebody needs it. So that's another form of passion. That's six different examples of passion that can flow th through you because of this sport. And I think some people might say, well, that passion is wasted on running. And I would beg to differ, obviously, because it can be so powerful to experience it in all those ways because it creates this energy, this fire that keeps us going, that keeps us inspired and motivated and helps us carry ourselves through those times of apathy and struggle and, and demotivation. So I want to talk about three ways in which we can channel this passion because we know it's not always going to be there and we know it's sometimes going to be greater than others. But what can we do to channel this type of passion? One is to write it down, to acknowledge it, to acknowledge these moments when you have that fire to acknowledge the moments when it's easy, to acknowledge the times when you get to be a part of something bigger as a support person. Write these things down, journal it, whether that be in a gratitude journal, whether that be in a general journal, whether that be in a training log. Write down these moments when the fire is hot. I think most of the time, as humans, for whatever reason, we tend to remember the moments when the fire is dim, when the fire is almost out. We don't often remember the moments when the fire is big and hot and bright. And as I said, my hypothesis is that for most of us, those moments, those bright moments outshine the dim ones. And yet in our heads, we wouldn't know it. So write these moments down in some form or fashion so that you can go back and remember and reflect on them and use them perhaps as fuel when you do have those moments of apathy. So that's number one. Write it down, acknowledge it, celebrate it as a part of that. Number two, pay it forward and don't be shy. Pay it forward and don't be shy. This one will be context specific in that 
how you do this is going to relate to your personality or to what someone needs. But I encourage you to let it overflow when you have this type of passion. Let someone else get a little taste of it by sharing it with them and by paying it forward in some way, by turning that passion for your own training into that message to a friend to say, hey, join me on my next run because you want to just share a little bit of that energy and maybe that person that you text is someone you know who could be struggling getting out the door. Take that passion for racing and encourage someone else to sign up for a race. Encourage someone else to chase a big goal. Talk about your goals with them so that they might be inspired to have their own. Take that passion of finishing and share it by dissecting your lessons learned from a race and by talking about it in some way with others. And obviously this is going to be dependent on your own style, the context of the situation. You don't want to be one who's bragging or focused too much on you, but rather that you do it in a way that is inspiring and helpful to others. Take that passion that you have and funnel it in to go spectate and support. Go stand on a sideline, put, put a sign together, help a friend who might be chasing a goal because you can use that to give back to them. Channel that passion into support in some way by giving someone a word of wisdom or perhaps a word of motivation that can help them be inspired towards those goals. So take your passion, bottle it up just a little bit. doesn't have to be a laundry list or a big act, but just think of one thing or two things that you can do and take with that energy and channel it into someone else. Because when you do that, it starts to breed more passion. It starts to create a self-reinforcing cycle. Number three, what to do with your passion? Channel it into your process. Channel it into your process. It's passion. This is where the motivation will come from. This is the hot coal that even though the fire might be out or dim, if you just churn it a little bit, then the fire is sparked again because you have that hot coal burning underneath. This is what we're talking about. When you take your passion and channel it into into process, put it towards something that you might be struggling with motivation on. That second strength workout a week, that time on the foam roller, that recovery run that you skip because you feel like, eh, what's four miles after a quality day when I could just take the day off. Take that passion and channel it into your process in a way that lifts up those weak spots, those areas where you need reinforcement, where you need motivation. So use it. Use it as your fuel to the fire on the work that you need to get done to get your goal. So that's number three. So there you go. Three ways to channel that passion. Write it down. Use it later to pay it forward and don't be shy about that because that will create a self-reinforcing cycle that will keep your fire hot. And then three, channel it into your process, into the little things, the basics, 
that you need to be doing in order to continue to take steps towards your goal. If you do that, that will also, by the way, be a self-reinforcing part of this process where the passion fuels the work, which is the action, which fuels more passion. And so it all kind of keeps going full circle. And that doesn't mean that you won't have those moments of apathy, but it will make you more resilient to them. So there you go. Ways to channel that passion when you have it. And I also talked about ways to fight through the apathy when it comes. But either way, as a runner, I promise you'll experience both of these emotions. There's that apathy sometimes where it's just hard to do it. And then there's that passion which flows through. And if you're anybody who's listening to a running podcast, I promise you, you know what I'm talking about. But reflect on your own experiences with these two feelings and think about how some of these tactics might help you. So with that, we'll wrap this episode. Thanks to everybody for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.